Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got another wonderful show in store for you with a guest in studio, and you guys know how much I love having guests in studio. Um, So I'm going to get to him in just a moment. Uh, But first, of course, we have our quotes of the day. Uh, from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. Let's see uh, what quotes we have in store for us today. First, from the universe. The more one loves for no reason at all, the easier their life, the greater their friends, and the happier their times. Love rocks the universe. Ah, We love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe, reminding us that... uh, Loving for no reason at all kind of really makes everything better. And I mean, you, 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 you people know that, right? You, my, my loyal fans out there, and I see a bunch of people hopping on the Facebook live stream already. Oh, thank you, Jonathan, Pat, Lisa, Louise. But it's something so basic, so simple, we often forget it. Uh, you know, we forget how much having a little more love, a little more compassion first for ourselves and then for others, how much it smooths the way. It's, it's the grease on the wheels that just makes life better for everyone. First of all, we show up better, and by us showing up better in life, people respond to us in a better way. So uh, I know it may seem something uh, uh, very trite, something, oh yeah, we all know that, very obvious, But sometimes we need to be reminded of the obvious uh, just because it is so obvious. So, good quote from from the universe, just giving us that little reminder today. All right, let's see what what, uh, Abraham has in store for us today. From the physical perspective, most of you believe that your beliefs are the right ones. And if you disagree with someone, they must be wrong. But from the non-physical standpoint, it is not seen as right and wrong. It seems as the powerful diversity that stimulates thought, and from the non-physical perspective, you enjoy that diversity. Abraham. Now, this quote I kind of really like a lot because it really gets to the heart of Sort of why in some ways, like, I'm a big believer that, like, nobody has the the quote-unquote truth. Um, And that, you know, we all come to things from different perspectives. We all come to things from the point of view that we're brought up in, in context to our society, our ethnicity, our culture. And somebody from the other side of the world may believe in something completely different from us, but it serves them and and it makes their life better. So who are we to judge that that thing is wrong? And it's one of those basic things that like, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, you look at all the major religions of the world and there are some things that are wildly different about them. Yet at the core, at the heart, at the spirit that underlies all of these religions is the same core philosophy almost. 
but it comes to us in a different way. And, you know, it, it, it's very easy for us to judge, especially for our own culture that we come from, because we know it so well. Uh, you know, that old expression that the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, when we, when we learn about a new philosophy, a new religion, a new culture, we think, oh, it's so much better than our own. But it just appears that way because we're on the inside, so we get to see, like, all the yucky stuff about it. Um, but from the non-physical perspective, it's, it's all a rich diversity. It's all different threads in this amazing tapestry that we call life and this world. And it all contributes in some fashion. Look, you don't have to agree with everything in the world. You don't have to even accept everything in the world, but we can still appreciate it for its diversity. And and again, we can be free to believe however we want to believe, and they can be free to believe however they want to believe. We do not have to enforce our beliefs on every other person in the world. And indeed, if we did, and they did accept everything, and we were all exactly the same, we would probably be bored out of our minds, and, and, and it really wouldn't serve the world in any way. So... Um, two kind of interesting quotes from the universe and from Abraham. And indeed, you know, this, this appreciation for the diversity of the world comes from loving the world for no other reason. So two very much aligned quotes, uh, 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 very beautiful quotes, and I think actually pretty apropos for who we're going to talk to today. And now it is my extreme pleasure uh, to welcome Mark Lesser, author of the new book, The Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, Lessons from Google and a Zen Monastery Kitchen. Ooh, I'm, re I'm like really curious about the Zen Monastery Kitchen because I love food. Okay, so blending his leadership experience running a Zen Monastery Kitchen, leading mindfulness training for Google engineers and starting in leading the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. That sounds fascinating. Mark combines the hard-earned wisdom of a compassionate mindfulness teacher with the insights of an experienced business leader. In recent years, mindfulness has exploded in popularity, but an individual's interest in mindfulness does not necessarily translate into them becoming a mindful leader. Understanding mindfulness can be challenging. Even more difficult is embodying and regular practicing in everyday life. Grounded in depth and simplicity of his experience of leading a Zen monastery kitchen, Mark unpacks the richness of these practices and makes them accessible to our daily life. And I'm very pleased to welcome him to the Conscious Consultant Hour today. Welcome, Mark. I, I started, sorry, loose wire. I started and ran a greeting card company for 15 years. A greeting card company? And, and, Oops. And thus, and okay, thus I, I consider myself to be a uh, professional quote collector, amongst oh, other things. So really? I, could, I could jump on and start with a couple of quotes. If that, ah, how, does, how does that fit? That, that would be wonderful. Even in, in your theme. So one, uh, one is a small piece of a poem. The poem is by a poet named Tony Hoagland, and the mm. name of this poem is The Word. Okay. And a small piece of this poem is, do you remember that time and light are kinds of love? 
And love is no less no less particular than a coffee grinder or a safe spare tire. Time and light are kinds of love. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Ooh, I like that. And then I, I like could that. throw in, let's see, a bit of a Mary Oliver poem. Okay. Uh, this is what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world. Mm. This is what I was born for, to look, ah. to listen, to lose myself right, inside good, this soft good. world. Now, that's a good <laughs> quote for me to ask my first question, because I always like to give my audience perspective about the background of the guests who come on. So I'm really curious, like, how did you end up in a Zen monastery kitchen? Yeah. Well, it all started here on the East Coast. Ah, uh, okay. I'm a, I'm a New Jersey boy. Oh, okay. Minding my I own won't bus- hold it against you, I my, promise. Minding my own business. I was an undergraduate at, at Rutgers. Oh, yes. I have a couple of friends who went to Rutgers. And I started to get quite excited about exploring something beyond the conventional courses and ideas that Rutgers was offering me. And I took a, a one-year leave of absence, uh-huh. went to San Francisco, and that one year turned into 10 years at the San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, okay. Now, quick question. What yes. were you studying at Rutgers? I was a psychology undergrad psychology. at the okay, time. Okay, good. Yeah. And, and like, why did, you, why did you pick that particular Zen monastery? Um, I had been given a copy of a book called the Tassajara Bread Book. Hmm. Which happens to be, I think it was, and maybe still is, the world's best-selling bread book, a manual on how to bake bread. Oh. And it came out of this Zen monastery called Tassajara. Oh. And what drew me to the book and to this place was, one, very practical, how mm-hmm. to make bread and, right. and, and <laughs> good. Two, I love bread. there was a depth of spirituality. There was a sense oh. about that baking bread as an act of getting to know yourself and going beyond yourself. Mm. And three, there was a sense of humor. It had ah, a sense of humor to it. And, yes. and I thought, hmm, I like this. This has a good feeling to it. And one day I, I, I found out that Tassajara was connected to a larger group of communities called the San Francisco Zen Center. And, mm. and right there, uh, in fact, the, I used to take the, uh, the number six Masonic bus to a job I had downtown uh, San Francisco, and the bus literally to and from downtown went right by the Zen Center's headquarters in ah. in the city. It was this big brick building. Okay. One day I got off the bus, <laughs> and and literally I walked in, and and I immediately felt like this is going to be home for a while. Oh, wow. that did it. That did it. And how long ago was that? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been about 40 years ago, a little wow. more than 40 years ago. Wow. I was, I was, um, yeah, I was in my early 20s. Time. Wow. Wow. Um, and so that was, so that center was right in San Francisco proper? Yeah. And I, I ended up, I started sitting there. I moved into the neighborhood. I moved into the building. And part of the routine, part of the uh-huh. practice was that if you wanted to really go deep, you would go down and spend some time, a year or two, in this Zen monastery training center uh-huh. in the mountains in Central California called, called Tassajara, which also turns uh. into a resort and conference center in the, in the oh, really? summertime. Oh, yeah. cool. and, and, that, and somehow, one of the big surprises for me of that experience was 
I kept getting asked to take on different leadership roles within the Zen Center community. Oh, okay. So I, I, I was the baker. I was a bread baker <laughs> for a year. I was then the assistant to the head cook for a year. Mm-hmm. And then I was 28 years old, and I found myself being the head cook of this kitchen, which in the summertime was a lot like any other kind of commercial kitchen uh, in that we were serving, we had 70 or 80 overnight guests Tassahara has a reputation for gourmet quality vegetarian food because Ah. many books have actually come out of that place and a restaurant, uh, one of the, maybe the number one vegetarian restaurant in San Francisco is called Greens, Mm -hmm. came out of the Zen Center and to this this day is still a very, very popular, great place. Okay, so so we're going to take a quick break. One quick question. Do you still bake your own bread? I do. Awesome. But you didn't bring any samples. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and, and then we're going to start talking about why you wrote this book and uh, what are what are these seven Zen practices about, okay? Beautiful. Wonderful, yeah. Mark. Okay, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, and you guys on Facebook Live know this is pre-recorded. Um, welcome, Luis, Denise, Shweta, Jonathan. Oh, Dennis, nice to see you. And uh, um, uh, 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 it's not the name that I know. There, Filippo, Filippo, good to see you again, too. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your, your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Mark Lesser, author of the book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. And you guys know I love mindfulness stuff. Uh, Is this your first book? Fourth book. Fourth book. Okay, what was the first book? ZBA, Zen of Business Administration. Oh. Second second book was called Less, uh, Accomplishing More by Doing Less. Ooh, I like that one. And then third was uh, Know Yourself, Forget Yourself. Oh, 
Oh, interesting. So I'm sensing kind of a theme here of like <laughs> Zen, mindfulness, and business. Um, given that you were in the monastery, what happened? Like, how long did you stay in the monastery? And then, like, why did business become such a big thing for you? Yeah, that's we were just about there. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years at the Zen Center, five in the monastery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10th year at Zen Center, I was asked to be the director of this place called Tassahara. Ah, and okay. that, then it became really clear that I was running a business, ah. despite that I thought of myself as being a Zen student. Right. And a few things happened then. One was, I really liked it. Ah. I mean, I liked running the kitchen. I liked, uh-huh. I liked managing things, empowering people, getting right. shit done. I liked right. that. Right. Uh, and, um, and also, the other big aha that I had was these, what, what looked like two different practices like contemplative practice, Zen practice, mindfulness mm-hmm. practice, and work, getting things done. Uh, not only were they not in opposition to each other, but right. they're like, these go together really well. Right. Why isn't everybody doing this? <laughs> and, and I thought, well, this is what I think I'm going to somehow, some crazy idea that I'm going to bring. This was, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah, wow, uh, that was a while ago. That was before uh, mindfulness was such a buzzword and, like it is today. And I decided that I just had 10 years of uh, mindfulness training. I needed some business training. Mm. So I went back, finished my undergraduate degree at Rutgers, ah, okay. and went right to NYU Business School. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. And I ended up, um, a couple years later, starting my first company, which was a greeting card company, ah, which was okay. one of the first companies in the world to make things out of recycled paper oh really we were making wrapping paper greeting cards and it's interesting that was my uh, motivation for starting the company Uh. but i reached out to artists and writers that i knew so Mm. we were licensing like the words of the dalai lama Oh, and wow. Thich Nhat Hanh and Poetry of Rumi oh, really? and putting cards and wrapping paper on recycled paper. Wow. Is the business still around? It's still around. Called Brush Dance. Brush Dance. Brush Dance. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so so you, you started this business, so I'm assuming you, you took all the things you learned and you applied it to your business. And, I, and it was very humbling, right? Mm. I found out how humbling leadership really is. Like yeah. r- running a company... Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we did a, um, uh, we went through the whole dot-com expansion in the year 2000 and 2001, and my timing was perfectly horrible for that. (laughs) Uh, I know about horrible timing. We raised (laughs) millions of dollars and then raised a whole bunch of debt money, and the whole dot-com thing collapsed, and I I learned a a lot of lessons about difficulty business near yeah, near yeah. near bankruptcy yeah but i learned a lot and and after that i started doing uh coaching and consulting and found mm-hmm. myself uh being a executive coach to several google engineers ah okay and, and it happened and to be to right at the time so talk about now good timing on the yeah, other side of that yeah. there was a google engineer who had the idea of developing a mindfulness and meditation program inside of Google. Oh. And he found out about me. Oh. Because he was, he was looking for who is it that mm. has lots and lots, many, many years of meditation practice mm. and really gets leadership, leadership and business. And, business yeah. and he f- called me one day and said, wow. hey, do you want to help me develop this program? 
that uh. it's, we all we have is the name. The name was a joke. It was called Search Inside Yourself, kind of riffing off Google uh. as a search company. <laughs> and, um, and over a period of several years, we kind of started testing, refining, how do you teach mindfulness, uh. emotional intelligence, right. meditation inside this gigantic right. company filled with very smart uh, Google engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine working with people who are really the cream of the crop uh, in, in that capacity must have some unique challenges. Well, yes. Um, but I think like much of our culture, uh, people who, for the most part, people who are cream of the crop have never had any training in things like paying attention or yeah. or listening yeah. or the whole realm of emotional skills yes especially yes. at google these were like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. these were the brightest of the bright out of the top uh, t- computer science, science programs right. but and, 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 and what computer was scientists and my, many of my friends are you guys know like <laughs> you work with the numbers computers programs you're great work with people that's a whole nother bowl of wax yeah, and that's true for all of us you yes. know you, you know this um uh it's very humbling working with people leadership, management, uh, it, it's not easy. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but it was really exciting to work with these uh, Google engineers and, and see the hunger for developing the ability to listen, the, the encouragement to ask questions like, mm. what's most important in your life? What yeah. really matters? And to have people have real conversations with each other. And they would come out of these programs being better leaders yeah. able to collaborate more yeah. greater well-being ask yeah. i mean it, it it doesn't hurt I bet, generally I bet. you know it it can shake things up but it shakes things up in a really good way so, so the search inside yourself leadership institute was that something that you kind of founded during or afterwards like apart or is that something founded inside of google uh kind of yes and yes oh uh, okay it, it um it emerged within Google, but then I helped create it as a separate nonprofit organization, separate from Google. Uh, okay. Google very generously um, gave us the trademarks and the intellectual oh. property was was all Google owned, but they they wanted us to be a nonprofit, and that was fine with me because we were a completely mission driven organization. And then I was the founder CEO, and I ran that organization for about six years, and oh, okay. I recently stepped out of running that organization. Organization uh-huh. is around and thriving. Mm-hmm. Right, so cool. I'm now doing very similar types of work. In fact, this new book yes. is I'm, I'm do, I do trainings and workshops around seven practices of a mindful leader. Here's the book. Get the book. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's talk about it. How, how did you manage to distill down <laughs> to just seven practices? Because there's a lot of practices, aren't there? There are. But I love, I really like these. And the, the, way they, the way these practices evolved was when there was a time when we were looking at the pop, this program, Search Inside Yourself, became enormously popular. And mm-hmm. there were many more people who wanted to be part of it inside of Google than we had the people to teach. Ah. So we decided to train a group of Google engineers to teach the program. Ah, okay. And I brought in a friend of mine uh-huh. to help. And uh, a whole funny story, but the, 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 short, the short story is my friend very spontaneously came up w- when he was asked, what do Google engineers really need to know and embody? What are the core values if you want to be a mindfulness teacher or a mm-hmm. meditation teacher? Mm-hmm. And just spontaneously 
he started teaching these seven particular practices. And as soon as I heard them, I was like, these are great. And these go so far beyond just being a mindfulness teacher. I, I made copies of these seven practices and put them on everyone's desk at the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute. There were about 20 employees at the time. Uh-huh. I started teaching about them. I started writing about them. And little by little, a book started to evolve. I and then, of course, I had to call my friend uh, right, who, right. And, and said, you know, I, I kind of I think I need your permission in order to write a book. <laughs> and, and my friend's response was, what seven practices? He had no memory <laughs> of it. That's funny. And I read That's them. I read funny. them. I read him the seven practices, and he said, "Those are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, good luck with your good luck with your book." That's so funny, that's that's that's, w- that's how they emerged. Okay, so let's um, we we just got a, a few minutes before we go to break, so let's just like tick off what are the seven practices, and then after the break, we'll really get into them. Okay, love the work, love the work, do the work, do the work. Don't be an expert. Don't be an expert. Connect to your pain. Connect to your pain. Connect to the pain of others. Connect to the pain of others. Depend on others. Depend on others. Ooh. And the last and sometimes most difficult, keep making it simpler. Ah, okay. So, so let me ask you a question. Of these seven practices, which one was most difficult for you? Probably the last. Yeah? Yeah. Although, I, you know, I've, I often get asked these days to define mindfulness. Ah. And one way I could define mindfulness would be through the lens of these seven practices. I think I see I them see. As, as kind of a, you know, a master kind of program or, or template for what mindfulness practice actually is. In my in mm-hmm. one, many views of what mindfulness is, there's no like one definition. Mindfulness sure, is this sure. enormous body of work. But this works pretty well, I think, looking right. at it through this lens. Right. Do, do you still consider, did you become, a, I mean, I know under the Zen practice, like there are monks and teachers and stuff, do you still consider yourself a Zen something? I'm, I'm actually a Zen priest. Zen priest, yes. yeah. Um, and I usually don't, it's funny, that word has so much baggage. Yeah. So I generally call myself, a, I'm a Zen teacher. I have a weekly meditation group in Mill mm-hmm. Valley called Mill Valley Zen. Oh. I still am very connected to the San Francisco Zen Center. Okay. Um, yeah, I study and teach Zen. And to me, you know, what I love about Zen is what it has a sense of humor. Yes. It's very practical. And its whole point is to uh, deny its the existence of itself. Mm. Zen is really just a, a fancy way of looking at what does it mean to be a human being? Mm. What is this mm. human life? What is consciousness? And how can we most effectively serve humanity? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Call, call it Zen. Call right. it Christianity. Right. Call it God, call it whatever you want to call right. it. Um, you know, your your stuff kind of reminds me in a way of a kind of a famous. Buddhist teacher who kind of did the same thing, uh, Geshe Michael Roach. Yeah, I know, I know, I know him some. You sure. know him some in his book, The Diamond Cutter. Yeah. Uh, so I just I love the Diamond Cutter. I recommend it to a lot of people because I just love the way. I mean, kind of the way you take Zen practices and integrate it into business. He took Buddhist practices and integrated into business and had tremendous success mm-hmm, from it. Mm-hmm. And so in this sort of same way here, it's taking these practices, these mindful, even you'd say spiritual practices. And it's so funny, right, how you can take them and apply them to some very practical, grounded things, and you actually achieve more that way, don't you? Yeah, and it's interesting seeing how the world is exploding with the integration of these practices from 
Mark Benioff, founder CEO of Salesforce, oh, is, right, is, yes. a, is a student of mindfulness. Oh, yeah. uh, Jeff Weiner, who's the CEO of LinkedIn, yeah, and yeah, hundreds right. of smaller, medium-sized company companies. Google has adopted mindfulness as their well-being practice. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay, great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into these seven practices and, and what they're all about and, and you know how, how our audience can use them, okay? Beautiful. Awesome. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m., and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Uh, we're speaking this hour with Mark Lesser, author of the book, uh, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Um, okay, so we, we, we ticked off the, the, mind, the, the seven practices. Let, let's go a little more in depth with them. Love the work. What does that mean? Yeah, so this one is a little bit um, not completely obvious when people hear love the work, they immediately think, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. You know, I'm supposed to love the work I'm doing. But no, that's right. not what it is. Okay. This is the work is the work of having a practice, having a mindfulness ah. practice, having a meditation practice. It's loving the work of developing your self-awareness, the work of self-actualization. Ah. And the beauty of it is no matter what your role is out in the world, mm-hmm. you, this work can be applied in whatever that role is, whether right. you're a, a teacher or a doctor or a sweeper or, or whatever it gotcha, is. Gotcha, gotcha. So, it's, so it's, it's sort of rethinking, reframing what your career is, what your, your this is to me, this is the real work. Right. This so is, it, as a friend of mine likes to say, this is the lifelong PhD, the exactly. working on ourselves. Yeah, and it's a lot like, you know, it's, it's a bit like the quotes you were reading that you opened the show with. It's around dropping in and seeing that love is at yeah. the bottom of, of, of everything. So, yeah. so this is the first practice, which is loving the work. And then the second practice is that it's do the work, is that you actually have to have some kind of, yeah. I, I, so I, I break the work down into what I think of as... Can, can, we, can we call it something else than work? Because, you know, work <laughs> is such a charged word. I like to call it play or dance. 
actually, I, I mean, I almost changed it to the. It could be love the practice ah, okay, and do the practice. the practice. So it's a. Yeah. It's a. But then these are all practices, so it gets yes. a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, confusing. Yeah, anyway, I'm, I know. I'm, yeah, the work gets. You know, Byron Katie uses that. Yeah, that the word, work. The yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like I people work so much they're like I have to do more work. Ah, oh. yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Whatever you call it. Right. Okay. So do Practice. so. Love, love, love the work. love the love the work. Do the, the work. work, which really means to have what I call a dedicated practice and an integrated practice. Mm. Dedicated practice. So dedicated is something that you you do outside of the stream of your life. Okay. So stopping and doing meditation, meditation. maybe journal writing, walking uh, meditation, something where you st- you're, you're, you're not engaged in whatever you're, there's no mm, doing. It's almost right, the opposite of right. doing. But integrated practice, which is equally important, is then when you get up from the cushion, right. it's bringing, bringing that attitude, that sense of learning mm. the, into your daily into mm. your daily all of your life, right? There used to be, you know, many years ago, there was an expression that when you went to work, mm-hmm. you left your soul in the parking lot. Ah, yeah. So this is, this is like the opposite of that, that you, right. and, and this is still quite a challenge to bring yeah, sure. your full humanity into whatever your sure. work sure. is. Yes, yes. Um, and, and yeah, it's absolutely still a challenge. There's still a lot of people in corporate situations that, you know, they, they feel they can't um, because they feel if they really, you know, lived up to what they truly believe in that they'd get fired or something. But but more and more companies are starting to shift and change because they're just realizing it, it's it's good business to be mindful. Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's I, I think it's good to uh, to be real about that. There is a natural tension. There is some tension between taking care of people and getting stuff done. Yes. That and that it takes some skill, it takes some practice, it takes some embodiment to do that skillfully. Yeah, yeah. I I've I've been on a tirade the last year or so against the idea of productivity. That that being productive is great for society and lousy for the individual. Well, but let me let me push back a little bit on sure. that. Sure. So I did a uh, last winter I went back to the monastery and did a three-month retreat. Mm. And I thought it was a joke at first, but they put me in charge of the kitchen every afternoon. That was my, my job. <laughs> After It was literally 35 years since I had run, oh, run that, wow. the Tassajara kitchen. So every afternoon, I'd come into the kitchen, and the head cook would hand me the list of things that needed to get done mm-hmm. that afternoon so uh. that dinner... So that dinner can happen, and so that the next day's meals could all happen efficiently and effectively. You know, this was right, like people needed right, to eat. Right. So I had my what needed to happen, and I had a crew. Gotcha. I had a crew every afternoon mm-hmm. of you know maybe five or ten people, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, they were chatting and playing yeah. and having a great time. I okay. liked this. This was fine, but sometimes I needed to say, "Hey, guys." Yeah, we need to get something. I love you all. I care about you. We need to get this stuff done. You need to focus. And do you need help? Can I show you how to cut these carrots more quickly? (laughs) I I know how to do this. There's way. So, Uh, so it's. I I think. I think we can't completely throw out productivity. Right. Right. I mean, especially 
anyone who's in a leadership role or, yeah, or an absolutely. entrepreneur or any small business person, like you got to get stuff done. Yes, so, yes. so to me, I think it's how do you work within, and I think it's useful having the limitations of certain stuff needs to get done. Right, no right. matter, you have to make a certain, you, you have to make a certain amount of money. You have to produce a certain right, amount of results. Right. So I think this is, this can be, a, okay. Okay. Healthy, I'll I'll I'll, I'll modify my my my, <laughs> my philosophy and say that the overemphasis on productivity doesn't Ag- serve. Agreed. And an overt an overt emphasis on money and success is really dangerous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and you know, and we look at like when you really play that out, you get yeah. to see the state of what our world yes, is, is in. Absolutely. You know th- what our food production systems are. The way we deal with energy, yeah. all of that was making choices step by step by step around productivity and efficiency and money, money. and greed with no sense at all of what's the health of our air? Yes. What's the health of our the water? Environment. How about the people? Look at like, like fact, you know, the, the way we put people in factories. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think there's great, there's a lot to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think it has to. I think you need to take a multi. Right. Uh, you have to look at it from a, from a variety of perspectives. Okay. Okay. Let, let's. We, we, we still we still got uh, five five uh, practices <laughs> to go. Don't be an expert. What do you mean by that? Don't you need to be an expert? Right. Google engineers. They're experts. Exactly. And I, you know. And I say. You know. I want my surgeon or my car mechanic to be <laughs> expert. But what I mean, this is in in relation to um, mindfulness practice into relationships in particular, mm-hmm. into leadership. No one is going to be, you can't be an, if you, so it's about cultivating a certain attitude of beginner's mind, mm-hmm. of curiosity, of mm-hmm. openness, of questioning. Mm-hmm. So it's cultivating that sense as opposed to being right or that right, having it one way. Right. Again, it's, you said it all at the beginning of the yeah. show. You know, the, the statement... Yeah, the, no, the, the quotes are always so apropos. You, yeah, the statement, the statement that you made about seeing things from a variety of perspectives. Right. Again, but, it's, but, it, but these things are all easier said than actually done. Right. right? Especially right. when we are feeling stress or we're yeah. feeling... Yes. So, so yes. This, this to me is why productivity and goals, they push you... And they test your practice. They deepen mm. your practice. How can you be? How can you be like? I've had to terminate many, many people. And I've run. Uh, I've run right. four different companies now. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and how can you do that with caring and compassion? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. How do you deal with difficulty? So these are. This sure. is why I think sure. um, uh, business is such a great cauldron for right. developing and cultivating one's right. practice. So, so this kind of sounds like that old adage: you can be right or you can be happy. So, so when we worry less about being right, then we can be more open and we can hear more things and then we can be happy because if we're not the expert, then, uh, you know, we learn more things and more things can get done. And it's such a great practice, in, you know, even in the business world yeah. to let go of thinking, you know, what we know, right? right yeah. Right. I mean, General Motors, they were so convinced that uh, everyone wants big cars. Yes. Now, yes. They happen to be, it's funny, these cycles. Suddenly right. everyone wants big cars again. Yeah, it's, all these SUVs. Bizarre. I don't know. <laughs> all right, let's go to the next okay. one. This one This one I love. Connect to your pain. Well, in a way, this is, um, you know, this is Buddhism 101 or 
I would say it's humanism 101 that the study of humanity starts with noticing discomfort, noticing the limitations and possibilities through the lens of how as humans um, we don't always get what we want. We often get what we don't want. Things break, things fail. And then there's that our lives are limited. We will, I mean, we will lose everything one and everything yeah, uh, yeah old age sickness and death yes. if we're lucky yes. right old age sickness and death yes uh, so this is our common humanity and again whether it's in the realm of humanity and also in leadership there's a tremendous amount of evidence that the more empathy you have as a leader mm-hmm. the more self-awareness and part of self-awareness is copping to that being a human being is difficult and connecting yeah to what's difficult and your own pain. So both these practices, connecting to your pain and yeah. connecting to the pain of and others. Others, which is the next one. Yeah. core. Again, there's a lot of research that shows how important empathy is. Empathy is mm. essentially caring about the people mm-hmm. that we work with mm-hmm. and that the more responsibility someone takes on, the mm-hmm. lower their empathy. Oh. And that this is okay. why you need to pay attention and because what happens is as we take on more responsibility, we become more focused on results, ah, more yes. focused on productivity right. and less on the human, human aspect, element. Right. So because you have to accomplish this, you have to accomplish this big task or this big goal. It's a little bit like I was, you know, like I was um, saying about even me running the kitchen right. you know, last year. Right. There was some part of me that my first reaction was, you, you guys can't be playing here. I got I'm responsible. I'm responsible. Right. And how can I help see that we're all responsible? Right. And how can I help see that I care about you? And maybe maybe you need to be talking because there's something bothering you and you blah, blah, blah. But right now, cut the darn carrots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I, I always like to remind people is that that quote from the Dalai Lama that there's that there's and I'm I'm not going to this isn't the quote but the point of the quote is is that there's a difference between pain and suffering Mm -hmm. right right that that we can connect to our pain but we don't have to connect to suffering over the pain yeah and then there's the um you know the beginning the the most basic teaching of the historical Buddha, the Four Noble Truths, All right. starts with paying attention to suffering, right. looking at what the cause is, which is like what the Dalai right. Lama was saying, right. and then how the way to enlightenment, the way to awakening, the way to happiness is right mm. through what's difficult, right through right. our facing suffering. All right. Now, depend on others. You were depending on others in the kitchen. De- yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we're always depending on others. I mean, here we are in New York City, I mean, we depend on others for, you know, whether it's your mail or your, yeah, yeah. and the air we breathe. But in a, you know, in a, we live in the sea of relationships, whether it's in work or outside of work. Our identities are consciously, unconsciously molded by our core relationships and Mm -hmm. how others think and value things influences us and how we think and value things influences others. So it's seeing the, the, uh, how, profound we are in the sea of relationships yeah oh beautiful beautiful okay we've got one more we're going to hold it until after we come back from our break and believe it or not this is our last break of the show gee things fly when you're having fun (laughs) all right so everybody please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity we're talking this hour with mark lesser author of the book seven practices of a mindful leader go out get the book 
It's a good book. Buy it. Okay, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, we're talking this hour with Mark Lesser, author of the book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Um, we're down to the last practice. Keep making it simpler. How do we do that? You, you asked me earlier, which is my hardest one, and this yeah. I said this one. Yep. Uh, because... There, everything seems to be uh, tilted toward complexity. Yeah, the love the mind loves to complicate things, doesn't it? Yeah, and we and the mind the mind complicates things. Um, uh, technology has really up the up the yes ante. Yes, um, it's funny. I was with um, I was with some people the other day who were they thought it was very strange that I wasn't wearing an Apple Watch. <laughs> they were they were almost of- offended. And they said, okay. they said, don't, you know, don't I want to know immediately when my emails are coming in? <laughs> and actually I said, actually, no, I don't no. want it. I don't want to know that. No. And, and, and I could see they were actually a little concerned about me. Really? That, that, that I think the, you know, as the, the, the technology is shaping our attitudes about, yeah. about data, about speed and about the acceptance of a kind of a complexity. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 talk about it sometimes but i really try and practice turning off and unplugging a lot yeah um uh, i do some shamanic work and we do ceremonies on the weekend and when we're in ceremony the phone is off yeah yeah um but yeah and i tell people all the time i go look i'm not answering emails on the weekend yeah if you send me an email on friday you're probably not getting an answer until monday or tuesday i mean one of the things that i uh, find quite a bit is in the executives who I work with as a as a coach or as a consultant is people have trouble literally turning it off when yeah. they when they get from work to home yeah and that turning it off 
is it, it sometimes it's electronics, but it's also mental, Yo, absolutely. mental chat. So absolutely. that so people come home and they're unable to be with their families or unable to just relax. Yeah, yeah I, I did a whole show about boundaries and the importance of having yeah. boundaries. And one of the things that I talked about during that show was the most important boundaries are the boundaries we have with ourselves. Right. And it's like setting up that boundary of like when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm doing work. And when I'm at home, I'm home and I'm not doing work. And I learned that lesson relatively early on being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. when I not my first business, but but uh, in the middle there when it was the first time that I started working from home Mm -hmm. and that was really difficult and I had to set boundaries for myself because when you work from home it's so easy to get distracted yeah so it's you have to set the boundary of like this is work time so i work and then i have to set the and then setting the boundary of well i'm not working so it's not work so yes um, this is one of many ways to keep making so one is to if you want to make it simpler have clear boundaries Mm -hmm. Uh, other practices are to also be aware that our culture has almost this religion around busyness mm, yes. and, and that, that yes. somehow, somehow it's not okay to, you know, to smell the roses, yeah. to relax, to, yeah. to like, to Take not, to, to not, to not value the sunshine or yeah. last night, incredible full moon, full moon, moon here yes. in the, here yes. in the city. So just to enjoy it, you know, yeah. like, we, we take we take these miracles like the full moon for mm-hmm. granted. Mm-hmm. We take the miracles of you know the the you know the leaves on the trees, or even our own breath. Mm-hmm. So part of part of meditation practice for me is the practice of simplifying mm-hmm. by with every breath, experiencing yeah. the breath, experiencing right. the simplicity yeah. of I'm here, I'm alive. There's there's nothing complicated about this it's amazing right i think the our bodies are great teachers yes our bodies are and nature our bodies and nature are complex beyond what we can imagine Mm -hmm. and at the same time they're not they're not complicated in the way we're complicated our bodies are always Mm. in the present time is Mm. is one one fact right Right, so so how can we human beings are rarely in the present time yes we are mostly Worrying, we're wor- worrying about the future, future. ruminating about the past. Yeah. So part of again, this these practices are around boundaries, are around being in the present time. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I one of the things that I talk about in the book is cultivating spaciousness as a practice. Oh. So much of so much of problems and stress. So are pushing away problems and feeling stressed or feeling tight or feeling like too much to do and not enough time. An antidote to that is just to recognize like. Like you, this right here in your studio, look at the space here yeah, and just to open to, to actually not only just see it, but kind of feel the, the level of spaciousness that's here, maybe right in the midst of having this conversation, right, right in the midst right. of maybe, you know, right. doing something that has some stress to it. Uh, what role does having compassion for ourselves play in all of this? Because we're rather fallible human beings and as hard as we try, we're not going to follow all these practices all the time. Yeah. So a good place to start is to recognize the, the conscious and unconscious habits that most of us have about not being compassionate with ourselves. Mm. The inner critic and the ability to judge ourselves and others 
is part of our DNA. It's part yeah. of our it's part of our evolutionary biology. It's like one of my Google scientist friends is very fond of saying, we are descendants of the nervous apes. <laughs> right, right. The apes, the apes that were chill, that were yeah, calm, yeah. they all got killed. Uh, the ones that were scanning for threats, mm -hmm. those are the ones that that excelled and survived. And part of scanning for threats is the opposite of self-compassion. Mm. So we now live in this age where we need to be very conscious about noticing, really and really getting in there and noticing our own ways that we are hard on ourselves, that mm. we judge ourselves. Mm. It starts with noticing it and then practicing trying a different way. Right, right. Breaking the... A lot of people, most everyone in our society, here in the States especially, they have the unconscious belief that we need to be hard on ourselves to get stuff done. Right. If right. we were kind to ourselves, we'd be lazy. Nothing yeah. would happen. <laughs> my, my, advice, my advice is try it. Yes. See for a week. Try for a week. Instead of being hard on yourself, be kind to yourself. Yes. See how that impacts your productivity. Right. I do that a lot with people. And, and people come back and say, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually more, more creative. Productive. I'm more productive. Right. I feel better about things. Right. You know, the tighter we are, the dumber we are. Right. Right. Because we're not able to really access that innate wisdom and creativity because we don't give it space. T totally. It takes, it takes space in our bodies and our psyches to be more creative and to ask those questions about what really matters, mm. whether it's in my human world, in my heart, or in my business, like mm. like what's 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 reality here? How am I? Oops. <laughs> how am I serving my customers? Right. How is the environment changing? Right. What do I need to be paying attention to? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I I must have been des descended from one of those apes that was pretty chill and uh, and somehow still made it. My wife. Who's descended from one of those apes that was really nervous because she's hyper vigilant about her <laughs> yep. environment. Yeah, uh, uh, we both make it. Um, how have you seen people shift from being exposed to these seven practices? Well, I think these seven practices, and there's there's something happening in our in our world right now. There's a giant shift happening, yeah. uh, despite what you might read in the newspaper. Absolutely, um, absolutely. There is more and more interest and need in developing consciousness, and particularly conscious business. There's, I think, yes. an, an understanding of how much business has mucked up the world, yeah. and the possibility that through leadership, business work. That's that can have a core role in mm -hmm. making the world a little bit better place. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. All right, well, Mark, thank you so much. Seven practices of a mindful leader. Please pick it up. It's a great book. Let me ask you, who who is this book written for? Everyone. Everyone. Good. That's a good audience. Because everyone's a leader. Yes, in some fashion, whether you're a leader in your family, in your influence. community. Leadership is about influence. Leadership we all have, we all have influence. influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. If people want to get, learn more about you personally, get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? Mark Lesser, M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R dot -E net. Dot net. Yep. Ah, okay. Mark Lesser. Some other, some other Mark Lesser, I think, took the dot com. So. Ah, the nerve of that <laughs> fellow. You got to find him and shoot him. No, <laughs> we got to be mindful. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. 
And uh, next time you come, I want some fresh bread. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in and listening. As always, you know, this show, without you, um, this show doesn't exist. So I really appreciate you all tuning in, whether it's on talkradio.nyc or on the Facebook Live. Please do us a favor. If you enjoyed this interview, enjoy the show's don't keep them a secret. Share them. Get the word out there. Don't keep us the best kept secret in New York City. We really want more people to know about it. So please share, share, share. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.